Hello, and welcome to the Constructor Cast, your AGC place for all the news, views, and interviews relevant to your construction business. I am your host, Leah Pilconis. This is the ninth recording in our COVID-19 special edition series, where we bring you timely information on factors that construction companies need to consider as they strive for business continuity in these challenging and unprecedented times. On Friday, June 5th, the president signed into law the Paycheck Protection Program Flexibility Act of 2020. That measure makes significant improvements to the program that will allow businesses more flexibility in using their loan funds. My colleague, Matt Turkstra, who is the head of tax, fiscal affairs, and accounting with Congressional Relations for AGC of America, and Matt has been a regular on this COVID-19 special edition series, is here with us today to walk us through some big changes. AGC has been pushing for the passage of this bill, and AGC has recommended many of the fixes that Matt is going to walk us through today and explain to you. And these fixes are really designed to help construction firms survive. So this marks a big legislative victory for AGC. Matt, I want to ask you to start off with giving us some background about this bill. And can you just share with us how did it come into being and what was the process for all of that? Thanks, Leah. It's actually, uh, it's kind of an interesting story. So the, when the Paycheck Protection Program was created um, after the passage of the CARES Act, uh, there was a, a huge surge of demand for the program um, at the SBA. The, the uh, borrowers, uh, or you know, demand clearly outstripped supply and, and uh, the SBA at one point was clearing um, j- just a tremendous amount of loans per day in the billions and billions of dollars per day. And uh, the, of the original 349 billion that was allocated to the program, um, that was exhausted fairly quickly. And it, it required the passage of a second piece of legislation to plus up that program, you know, refill the, the lending authority for the SBA. Um, the, a, as the program went on though, some additional rules and regulations came out of SBA that had the effect of really reducing demand and uh, scaring off uh, uh, some borrowers, and indeed, we actually heard from some AGC members that had actually returned their loan funds out of fear of being audited or false claims act uh, lawsuits, and and so on. And um, what what that really cried out for was some uh, fixes to the underlying statute to really clarify that uh, that you know Congress intended for the, these funds to be flexible to. Pr- provide uh, resources to companies so that they could retain as many employees as possible. And uh, there was actually a, a freshman member of Congress named uh, Dean Phillips, who um, uh, you know, worked with a, a Republican member as well, uh, a, a, a member named Chip Roy from Texas. And the two of them worked together and actually uh, introduced this legislation. Uh, Congressman Phillips, who's a, a Democrat, negotiated with uh, the Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, to to try to get this legislation on the floor as a result of um, of his uh, or as contingent upon his support for the uh, Democratic stimulus legislation, the Heroes Act, and then it just came together very very quickly. We were we uh, were very fortunate to have some strong advocates um, for these provisions, and uh, and and it really came together. Uh, over about a two-week period with a lot of input from the stakeholder community, including AGC, 
Um, but we were just absolutely thrilled with some of these changes. Now, I, I want to caution people, it doesn't solve all the problems with the program, um, and we'll go through some of the details in a moment, but it really does make some pretty substantial changes that I think will have a material benefit to people, and also hopefully um, uh, reduce some of the fear that uh, some people had previously had, and hopefully spur some additional demand to the program, uh, because it's really stalled out uh, over the past, uh, you know, three, four weeks or so. And there's, there are still funds left then in the program. There are, yeah. It's, um, I, I looked at the numbers uh, a, a few days ago. I think it's about $100 billion, a little bit over $100 billion. Um, but it, what's interesting is the amount of, of loans that are available has actually increased um, over the past couple of weeks because folks have been returning the money. So it's actually going in the wrong direction. And okay. um, uh, we're, we're hopeful that this is these changes will lead to some increased uh, demand in the program as folks reevaluate whether they want to want to want to borrow this money. OK, so this is uh, these changes are much welcomed and hopefully going to lead to um, some better success for the program overall. Yeah. So let's let's get into some specifics. Um, so I know a, a draw to the program has been um, well, what we had hoped and, and what I think will be now with the, with the Flexibility Act, the ability for borrowers to have the loans forgiven uh, or essentially converted into tax-free grants. But previously, there were a lot of conditions and limitations. So first, Matt, can you talk us through the changes, the recent changes with the Flexibility Act regarding how borrowers can spend the funds and how long they can take to spend the funds to still qualify for loan forgiveness. When the CARES Act was written and this and the structure of the program was really set, um, there were I think Congress was acting under a set of assumptions that you know the economy would start to be reopening, you know, probably at the end of June at the latest. Um, and as a result, they kind of wrote that the legislation and the parameters around the loan program with that in mind. And uh, as the the shutdown has dragged on, as the pandemic has dragged on, and as the economic slowdown has dragged on, I think um, uh, there's been a general agreement amongst virtually everybody involved that um, this has gone on longer than originally anticipated. And uh, when when the program was originally set up, like I said, with the assumption that the economy would open the end of June, there was uh, that was actually part of the loan program as well, and that you had to actually apply for, you had to rehire all of your workers and um, expend your loan funds by the end of, of June to, before you started applying for forgiveness. So what this, um, in, and in many cases that's, you know, we're seeing uh, locations that are still uh, largely shut down uh, and, and uh, establishments that are shut down. Um, so what they did is they extended the amount of time uh, from eight weeks uh, that w when you uh, receive your loan funds that you need to uh, uh, use that loan funds for payroll and non-payroll purposes, eight weeks up to 24 weeks. So originally it was a two month, uh, you had to use the use all the loan funds within a two month window and then it extended, uh, the legislation extended it to 24 weeks. Additionally, there was a, um, uh, a regulation that was put into place. It didn't actually exist in statute, but a regulation that Treasury said that 75% uh, of the funds needed to be used for payroll costs and 25% uh, could be used for non-payroll costs. And those were things like uh, mortgage interest, rent, utilities, 
uh, and the like. And uh, many businesses found that to be too restrictive. And even though it's called the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, that we want, I think, you know, the the people who wrote the legislation want to make sure that there was a business still standing there for uh, people to be employed by when they go back to work. So they they reduced that ratio slightly from 75% for payroll costs and 25% to non-payroll costs to 60% for payroll costs and 40% for non-payroll costs, respectively. This is uh, was particularly problematic for uh, businesses in, uh, in in large cities uh, where things like rent and utility payments were were quite high. Hopefully, have a, a boon not just for construction uh, workers and providing them with some additional flexibility, but also preventing the loss of uh, business and investment for uh, for uh, companies that will hopefully in the future be be taking on some construction projects themselves. Two very meaningful changes: longer coverage period and revising the ratio of of expenses allowed to be forgiven. So you explain that very clearly, thank you. Um, another change. Um, so AGC, I know, was very concerned about the ability of companies to rehire employees or return to the same level of business activity as pre-COVID-19 and just how this would affect the employer's loan forgiveness amounts. How how is that changed with the new amendments? Is there more flexibility there? Yes, the um, especially since the the passage of uh, the CARES Act. One of the additional things, aside from the creation of the PPP program, that the CARES Act did is that it provided um, enhanced unemployment benefits, uh, including a six hundred dollar uh, bonus payment for um, per per week for uh, recipients of unemployment insurance or uh, unemployment benefits. Um, and in, in in a lot of cases, we we've heard anecdotally, at least, that um, uh, trying to get people to return to work uh, can can be challenging when when unemployment benefits are are as generous as they are. Um, and I wouldn't say this applies strictly to construction, but but across all industries. So um, as a result, one of the thing one of the changes that they made in the program was that uh, if you were an employer, but you and you had made a good faith effort to try to rehire uh, qualified employees uh, back to your, your business, um, that, would, that would count as, as uh, meeting the necessary threshold. One of the requirements for uh, PPP is that you need to, to have payroll uh, and, and an employee headcount that's a, roughly equivalent to what you had pre-pandemic. And many, many people just weren't able to meet that uh, requirement due to folks that were you know, just not able to find workers either through the unemployment benefits or for you know totally natural reasons, folks not wanting to come back to work for whatever reason. Um, so th this creates some additional uh, flexibility in that if you make a good faith effort to, put, to hire people back, but you can't find qualified employees, uh, you, you have a safe harbor now in the loan forgiveness. Safe harbor if you make a good faith effort to hire or rehire qualified qualified employees. Okay. Um, what about PPP loans with any unforgiven amounts? I understand there were some changes there. Even if, uh, when the program was set up, even if you didn't entirely uh, have all of the loan forgiven, the terms of the loan were actually quite generous. It was a, a one percent interest rate um, and, uh, that, and that you had to pay back over two years. Um, which is, for some folks, is, is a good deal, and irrespective of whether or not you apply for loan forgiveness or not. Um, 
the uh, what that did what what this change did is it actually made it even more generous by extending the maturity um, uh, the length of maturity of the loans from two years to five years. So uh, if if you have any outstanding balance from a PPP loan that is not forgiven, you have uh, up until five years uh, to pay it back. So that's a, that's a nice change as well. Okay, great. So revising the maturity period for the loans. Uh, I have one final question. How does the new forgiveness amendment change things for borrowers regarding the employer's ability to delay its share of 2020 payroll taxes? Yeah, that's a really good question, Leah. The, the, uh, the CARES Act set up a number of uh, well, importantly, the Paycheck Protection Program, but also a number of tax provisions. And the general rule to follow with those tax provisions was that um, if you were going to be receiving a benefit from one, you couldn't uh, be perceived to be, quote unquote, double dipping uh, and, and claiming a benefit for the other. Well, I, I think that's certainly true for some of the programs that basically um, provide incentives or, or tax relief, or in the case of the PPP loans, direct funding for doing roughly the same thing. Like for example, um, the, uh, there's a program called the Employee Retention Tax Credit, which uh, provides a, a uh, up to $5,000 tax credit for employers to keep people on their payroll throughout the, the pandemic. Um, well, it makes sense that you would wanna not not provide people that tax break and also give them a PPP loan that's forgiven for roughly the same thing. So it was a, it was a fairly good standard to set up. But one thing that they did is that they barred uh, recipients of PPP loans to um, fr from taking advantage of another provision in the CARES Act, which was to, to uh, defer your payroll taxes through the end of 2020. So this is a uh, an incentive that was put in where if you were um, you, you can you can defer your payroll taxes, but the, the catch is that you do have to pay them back, but it's just over a two year period. Um, and it, it didn't make a this isn't a, a grant. It's not a tax cut or a tax credit or anything. It's it's just a, a delay in the payment. So uh, wisely, I think they made the change here as well, that if you are a PPP loan recipient, you could also take advantage of this delay in um, or in, in deferring your payroll taxes uh, through the end of the year. So uh, that's another positive change that will hopefully help people uh, with their cash flow as they're uh, managing their business through the crisis and uh, and, and hopefully be uh, another reason to spur some additional demand for the program. Great. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Matt. We're very lucky to have you to explain all of this to us in simple and easy to understand terms. Uh, is there anything that we miss that you that you want to share? The one thing I will add is that, as I said earlier, this is not the the last word on the Paycheck Protection Program. Of course uh, not. <laughs> un, 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 unfortunately, there are a few outstanding issues uh, remaining that do need to be addressed. Uh, there's some clarifying language because the bill, as I said earlier, came together very quickly, as is often the case with uh, bills that are kind of rushed through. Um, there's probably a, a, a correction or two or just a clarification or two that may need to be made in subsequent legislation, uh, as well as uh, the, another largely outstanding um, and, and a, or a very important outstanding issue is that the uh, IRS made a ruling recently that, um, actually it's not so recent anymore, it was almost two months ago, 
um, that if you received loan funds and those funds were forgiven through the Paycheck Protection Program, that you wouldn't wouldn't be able to deduct the expenses associated with that forgiveness income. Uh, this was kind of a backhanded way of, of basically making the uh, forgiveness funds uh, taxable when they were explicitly supposed to be non-taxable in the underlying statute. So uh, that was not addressed in this legislation and it will need to be addressed subsequently. The good news is that there's a lot of support for it amongst both the Democratic and Republican uh, heads of the tax writing committees and uh, both in the House and the Senate. So we're hopeful that this will get addressed in subsequent legislation. So I, I think, you know, as I said, it's not the not the last word on this. We're hopeful for some additional changes, uh, but uh, we'll, we're continuing to push on that and, and hopefully we'll see some resolution shortly. OK, all right. Well, I mean, great work overall. Very positive steps have been achieved and stay tuned for more information. I do want to remind everyone to visit AGC's coronavirus webpage for the latest news and information, and that's at www.agc.org coronavirus. This has been another episode of AGC ConstructorCast. Please subscribe to ConstructorCast from your podcast app or stream all available episodes right from your computer at www.agc.org slash ConstructorCast. Thanks for listening and stay safe and healthy, everyone.